Today's episode of Your Stories is sponsored by Cards Against Humanity. They asked us not to read an ad, so enjoy the show! Your Stories is a wonderful opportunity to share all the highs and lows of being a nerd. You know that hobby you have that you don't talk to anyone about? It's a secret you don't like to share because it might make you feel weird. Maybe you're into something different. Uh, comic books, fantasy football, push-ups. Your Stories, to me, has been this really kind and welcoming space where people just have the guts to be really honest and they share their voices and their stories with everyone there, no questions asked. Uh, I've heard stories about all those things. Uh, maybe not not a lot of push-ups. I maybe haven't heard a lot of stories about push-ups. The Nerdalogs is group therapy meets Toastmasters. I know there's always a place where my odd thoughts and unusual habits will be welcomed and championed in a warm, supportive environment by other nerds just like me. And what's fun is you'll see people in the audience one month, and then all of a sudden they uh, go up and tell their story. So your story becomes their story, and their story is your story, and then it's our story, and then it's a podcast, so it's everybody's story, and then you've shared it, and gosh, that's great, huh? And even if you don't think you're a nerd, you probably are. It's easily the most Midwestern thing I've ever been a part of. everybody i'm eric garneau and this is the nerdalogs presents your stories podcast on tour uh back in may i went on a two-week journey across the american west doing shows and collecting stories if you want to put it that way i know i do and now you get to enjoy the fruits of those very fun labors uh so this episode is the first part of our san francisco stop appropriately themed gateway and it features stories from myself plus comedy company director allison page and the second multi-generational Your Story speaker on this tour, Debbie Mongan. Uh, for longtime listeners, yes, that is Shelby Mongan's mom. Uh, the show had a really lovely collection of people. I'm really glad that you all get to hear it. Uh, that said, there are a couple caveats, just so you know, going in. Both this show in San Francisco and the next one from Seattle will have a little bit of crowd noise in the background. Uh, when you book a tour two to three weeks out, sometimes things like that just kind of happen. And I did my best to take it out in the audio edit, and I don't think it overpowers our storytellers at any point anymore. It certainly did in the raw audio, um, but you're still going to hear it, so I apologize for that. Also, in the interest of total honesty, and because it's a great song, I left in my very pitchy performance of Elton John's Goodbye Yellow Brick Road at the end of this episode. I said on stage that I was learning all these songs on the fly, and I hadn't quite settled into the right key for that one yet when I did it live. Oops. Uh, but hey, I like to say this show is all about disastrous earnestness, and that is certainly a disastrously earnest performance of a song I really love. So uh, let me just dispel if you guys have some conception that I am like a great musician, I am a functional musician, and I really miss Dwight at this show, for sure. All right, let's do some plugs. Uh, Your Stories has been a podcast for over five years. You probably know that at this point. Uh, what you may not know is that its parent group, the Nerdalogs, has existed for seven years, and we're celebrating our seventh anniversary this Saturday with a special party featuring an all-new sketch comedy show. If you'd like details on that party, please feel free to email me at eric at nerdalogs.com, message me on Facebook, whatever, and I will let you know the location, time, all that jazz. We would love to see you there. It's going to be really fun. Also, 
Patreon is a thing. Uh, we did a Your Story show last night with the people of Bitbash in Chicago. That was really wonderful. You won't hear that episode for a couple months on the podcast feed, but you can listen to the unedited audio of it starting today on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash nerdalogs. Uh, anyone who gives $5 a month or more gets access to a bunch of digital extras, including next day Your Stories recordings like that. That's pretty cool. All right, guys, are you ready to hear our first show ever recorded at a punk rock bar in the Mission District of San Francisco? I think you are. Let's do it. So, every show has a theme. The theme of this show is Gateway, which both relates to San Francisco and to this giant road trip thing that I'm taking. So I'm going to play you guys some songs that are by artists that were like gateways... You get it to me. Uh, like, they got me deep into music, and they're the reason I'm in front of you. So if you're like, why the hell is this guy here right now? Blame these guys. Starting with a man I saw in concert, like, 15 years ago that made me want to pick up a guitar. Even longer, like 20 years ago. Um, this seems appropriate for San Francisco. It's from 1968. The song's called White Room.
cute. I'm gonna do one more song at the top here. Uh, I, I turned into an indie kid. I was a metal kid in high school, then I became an indie kid. And this is the band that did it for me. Uh, the New Pornographers love this band. This song is called Fake Headlines, which feels like it's very prescient, but it was written like 17 years ago. But I don't know. Maybe it's about fake news. One, two, three. I wrote the news today in a town outside the midway rides. And as my money because I've been working like 60 hour weeks for three years and I'm just tired of that. So now I'm having some fun for a couple weeks. There's also some other wonderful people here to entertain you with their stories because as I said, this is a storytelling show. And coming up, I'm just realizing now I forgot to get bios for literally everybody. So let's have everybody introduce themselves after I say their name. Coming up first, please welcome Allison Page. <laughs> so professional I am. That's okay. <laughs> Oh, hi, dog. I'm mostly going to tell this to the dog. <laughs> sure. um, yeah, my name is Allison Page. I live in San Francisco, but I'm originally from northern rural Minnesota. I grew up on a farm, which totally figures into this story. And now I am mostly a person. I run a comedy company, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so here we go. Just launch into it. Um, I was about 21 when this happened. That's the first thing you need to know. The second thing you need to know is that I had a boyfriend... <laughs> Most of my stories start like this, unfortunately. Uh, and he was not amazing, is all I will say about that right now. Um, and then the third thing to know is that most of my free time was spent at that point in my life 
going out to our mutual friend's house in the middle of nowhere and uh, getting really drunk on Southern Comfort and, um, oh, Malibu, probably. And so we'd have a bonfire and inevitably people would end up in this abandoned trailer house making out. So it was a really high class thing that happens all the time. And so there was one night where uh, my parents were out of town for what I'm pretty sure was the only time in history. And my boyfriend, we'll just call him Ricky, <laughs> not his name, uh, was staying with me while my parents were out of town. And he decides to go out to my friend's uh, constant party. And I decide I'm not gonna go because I'm tired. I'm, I'm tired all the time, I'm just that person. And so he goes uh, with uh, first promising to not drink and drive, which I had made him promise to me many, many times before. And I had been known to take his keys and throw them into really tall grass. So he promises he won't do that. He drives out to the party. I go to sleep. I wake up at two o'clock in the morning. My dog is barking to let me know that Ricky has returned. And he comes inside, he rushes in, and he starts closing all the blinds in the house, locking all of the doors, and saying, they're coming for me, they're coming for me, over and over again. But I assume that he's doing that because he's drunk and confused, he has no idea what's going on. And at that point, I am two things. Happy that he is alive, because he's clearly very drunk and drove like 10 miles, uh, and super pissed because of also the same thing. So uh, he does all of that, and then he switches his mood quickly, and he's hungry, he wants some food. And he starts shouting about how he wants some food. So I heat up some Chef Boyardee ravioli, a very tasty food. And uh, it's super hot, and I give it to him in this big bowl, and it was just boiling, so it's like steaming. But he's drunk, so he's not really paying too much attention to things like that, and he starts trying to put food in his mouth, and it's everywhere, because it's hitting his face, and then he's recoiling because it's too hot. So it's falling on the table and on the floor and sauce is everywhere. So I start cleaning up the sauce that I can and he gets really angry about that and picks up the bowl of ravioli, which had just been boiling moments before and throws it at my face. He misses my face, it hits the wall to the left of my face and slides down really dramatically, right? Uh, which was a very world stopping, I can't believe this is happening type of moment, which there will be many more of in a second. And uh, while he's doing that, he's using so much force that he falls out of his chair. He falls down to the floor, he's lying on his back, his legs are in the air like a little turtle, and he can't get back up. So I pick him up off the floor, drag him up the stairs, put him in my bed, go back downstairs, clean everything up, and fall asleep on the couch, because I'm not going back up there, right? So the next morning, I get up, and my parents are still gone, mercifully. I take my dog outside. And I turn and look at his truck. And the front of it is not there. It's just like completely like sliced off. And uh, it's parked all crooked in the driveway. So I go upstairs and I say, what did you do? He has no idea what I'm talking about. I take him outside to look at the truck. And he has no explanation. He has no idea what happened. His memory's completely gone. He blacked out and doesn't know. So I put him in the shower, which sort of coiled up in the fetal position on the floor. And uh, he gets out, we go back and look again, and say, whatever happened, you need to tell me. I, I, I'm assuming that he's not telling me because it had something to do with, you know, I don't know, a girl or something. I don't know what it was, but I assume he just was purposely not telling me. Uh, but in fact, he just couldn't remember. So at this point, I start receiving phone calls from people saying, um, 
is Ricky with you? Because the police are calling around uh, trying to find him and people are telling them, them that he's with you. Uh, so I'm panicking, right? He's obviously been in an accident. Something's happened. The police are now looking for both of us. My parents are out of town. That's the only good part. And uh, I'm, I'm really freaking out because I'm assuming someone's dead. He's hit someone and they're dead. We're going to prison. This is terrible. Uh, so while I'm panicking, he is drinking tons of water because he assumes that the police are eventually coming for him. He doesn't want them to know that he was really drunk. Also, he wasn't even technically old enough to drink at the time, and he had a bunch of tickets for that already. So he calls his mom, because that's what you do, and this <laughs> is the advice that his mother gave to us. Um, she said, is the truck still drivable? Yes, miraculously it was. So she said, have Allison get in her car, you get in the truck, you drive out on a, on a dirt road somewhere, you're like, no, this is not good, you're right. Drive out on a dirt road somewhere, get out of the truck, push the truck in the ditch, report the truck stolen, and everyone's good. <laughs> what could go wrong, right? Um, and I thought when he told me that, that we were going to look at each other and go, <laughs> Isn't that insane that someone would make a suggestion like that? But his response was, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do this now. Uh, and I'm an absolute mess at this point because I can't believe that this is the proposition that's being made to me over and over again. And um, I don't know what happened between that point and me in my car, um, but I did get in my car. He got in his truck. Still don't know how he drove it. I don't understand. Drove out. He pushes his truck in the ditch, we get back in my car, we say nothing, we go back to my parents' house, and I'm just like, this is a ticking time bomb, because my parents are going to come home at some point and wonder what the hell is going on. Uh, so we go back to my place, I'm mostly just crying at this point, um, he never did, he was just like, yeah, this is what we're going to do, we have a plan. Um, so he's been chugging water all day, this is like early afternoon at this point, and he decides we need to just go in. Um, to the police station, but that we have to have the same story. And as a person who watches a lot of true crime, I just know that this is not going to go well, this isn't going to end well. And also still in the back of my mind is, what happened? Who has he hit? Where is the wreckage? Uh, we spent some time driving around town trying to find the, fr the front of his truck and the license plate and all the pieces, couldn't find it anywhere. Drove all the way back to my friend's place, took the route home that a normal person would take to get to my parents' house, absolutely nothing. Uh, drove around all kinds of other streets, absolutely nothing. So eventually we go into the police station after he has plotted out what we're going to tell them, and I am just, like, probably purple with anxiety at this point. We go in, and they said something to the effect that we've been waiting for you, and <laughs> he goes with them alone, that's what they say to do, and I'm waiting, just sitting there, and about two minutes goes by, and he comes back again. He's like, let's go, we're leaving. Like, what the hell is going on? So we get back in my car and leave, and he says, the moment that he walked in, he started telling his story. Oh, you know, somebody stole my truck, I don't know what happened, blah, blah, blah. And they cut him off and said, we already know what happened, so you can kind of chill on the story part. We found your license plate, we found like all the bits of your truck, and you hit a van, on the side of the road that had been abandoned. There was nobody in it. <laughs> yeah. <Whew. laughs> 
And uh, the van was also a piece of shit, apparently. And so what happened is that he ultimately had to pay, I think, $200. They couldn't, uh-huh, and they couldn't prove that he was drunk at the time because it was, you know, middle of the next day. So it was a major win for him. And that's basically the story of how I <laughs> almost went to prison <laughs> for assisting what could have been some sort of murder. Um, yeah, that's it. So I've only told that story to like three people ever. So <laughs> there's only five more people in the room. Uh, and there are only like five people on the whole internet, right? So this is like fine. Okay, great. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Allison. That was some hot tips on how to get out of a... Uh, if, you're, if you're in a car accident, you need to ditch your car. The first show of this tour, I told people how I scan free breakfast out of hotels. This seems worse somehow. But uh, this is good. We're teaching people how to break the law. It's very on theme for this kind of punk rock bar we're in right now. I like it. So coming next to the stage at our at our Colorado stop, we had um, the mother of, of a couple of people who have been on the show before speak for the first time. She followed us online. We made friends. I was like, hey, I'm coming to your city. Come do a story. She was like, well, I'm nervous, but I guess I should because my kids did. And guess what, guys? It's happening again. Uh, superstar Shelby Mongan in Chicago has talked her mom into coming here tonight. Please welcome Debbie Mongan. Shelby, welcome your mom. Well, I have to say I'm a little bit disappointed now because I thought I was going to get to make history by being the first two generations in a family telling your story. It was only three days apart, so you're close. All right, good. Well, kudos to them. So um, I live about 40 minutes south of the city, and um, in what's called Moss Beach. There you go. I live in Moss Beach, which is uh, from, when you're leaving the city, you're going south towards Santa Cruz, Half Moon Bay, all those places. It's beautiful. But what I want to tell you about is how I got here. I just got here in September. And I'm from the East Coast, so keeping with the theme, I wanted to tell you how Indiana and Chicago formed the gateway that got me out here. So about a year ago, I find myself in my life in a shithole apartment in southern Indiana, almost on the Kentucky border. And that's a whole other story in itself that I'll tell you some other time, but it was hell on earth. Um, anyway, I'm thinking I'm going to move to Chicago. My daughter lives in Chicago. I have a brother in Chicago. It'll be great. I'm going to just move to Chicago. I love the city. Now, I have another brother that lives out here, and he calls, and he says, Sis, you're an old hippie. The coast is full of old hippies. You would love it here so much. You need to move here, not Chicago. So I thought about it for a few minutes, and he's like, you know, you and your spiritual unicorns and butterflies and rainbows, you'll love it out here because there's a lot of you guys out here. So I said, well, I don't want to commit, but I will come out for a couple of months, and we'll decide once I get there. So in the meantime, I have an apartment full of stuff in Indiana, so I decided I'm just going to put it in storage in Chicago, near my family, until I make up my mind what I'm doing with the rest of my life, and what I do when I grow up. So I rent a truck in Indiana, a Penske truck, beautiful yellow truck, blue and a white stripe on the side, we've all seen them, and when I pick it up, the lady tells me, you're so lucky. It's, it's brand new. It only has 2,000 miles on it. 
Now, immediately, this did not make me feel lucky. This made me terrified. I don't want to put the first scratch on this truck. I don't want to do something to this, even with insurance. I don't want to get, you know, paid for something that I've done to it. So I was very cautious with this truck. Also, it was 16-foot truck, huge. No reason to have a 16-foot truck because I have an 8-foot van worth of belongings. So I still don't know why I got that giant truck. So I pull it in my driveway in Indiana. I stick my stuff in the corner because I didn't need all that space. And I drive the truck to Chicago. And I get into the city, and my daughter lives on the south side in the city of Chicago with my big-ass brand-new rental moving truck. And we have to figure out, where am I parking it for the night? So we're standing there discussing it on the parking in on the sidewalk. <clears throat> and... Unicorn goes down the street. And I was like, oh, what? And I look across the street, and there's an alley that's empty, all but a food truck on one side against the fence. I'm like, there you go. It always works. The hippie living in the moment, my spirit, it, the <laughs> universe is taking care of me. So I go around the block, and I just tuck that big-ass rental brand spanking new truck in behind the food truck, and I'm golden. We go to bed. Everything's good. The next morning, I'm going to get up and I'm going to drive this truck to the suburbs and put my stuff in storage and return it at the Home Depot in Elmhurst, Illinois. So we get up and we go down the next morning and Shelby and I are looking at the alley and somewhere between us going upstairs the night before and coming down, 72 cars decided to park in the alley as well. So the entire other side of the alley is cars. Behind the big-ass brand-new rental truck is cars. In front of the food truck is car cars everywhere. And we looked at it, and we kind of assessed the situation and decided it's not physically possible. You're not getting the truck out of there. But mom likes a good challenge, and mom's aware of the unicorns and the butterflies and the rainbows. I'm like, I can do this. Just let me try. So I get in the truck, and for more than 30 minutes... I inched back and forth until I found myself smack in the middle of the alley. And Shelby's on the sidewalk kind of helping and watching. And, I find, and I'm so proud of myself. Like, I just want to call WGN. I want someone to document that I actually did this. So I assess the situation. I'm sitting in the driver's seat on the, on the driver's side. I look, and between the truck and the cars, there's a, about six inches. Not exaggerating, six inches. I look on the other side, and between the truck and the food truck that I was behind, there's about four inches. I'm not exaggerating, four inches. But in my head, I think, I got inches. All I need to do is move forward slowly, and I'm out of this alley, and I am an amazing human being. So I start moving forward, and I get about 10 feet, and my beautiful daughter's face contorts and morphs into this horrific, terrified expression that I've never seen before. So, er, you know, I stop, and I roll down the window, and I'm like, Shelby, what the fuck is that face? And she's, at this point, can't use words. Like, she's trying, but she manages to convey to me that... The top of the rental truck is tilting 
about five inches. So if anybody's done the math, yeah, four inches on the side of me. So the top of the food truck is now doing a can opener kind of maneuver all the way along this brand spanking new rental truck that I'm terrified to scratch. So I stop and I think, and I'm like, well, I'm committed to this, so I don't have any choice, and I need to get the hell out of this alley, so I just go the rest of the way and can opener all the way down the side of it. Get out to the suburbs, empty the truck, I take it to the Home Depot, and I park it in the parking lot, flip it off, run inside, and hand the guy my paperwork, and he says, well, I gotta go outside and inspect. At which point I crossed myself and my fingers, and I waited, and he came in and he signs off and hands me papers and said, have a great, have a great day. Did he not see? I don't even know, but I don't care at this point. I just want to get the hell out of there and leave that truck. So I run out of the Home Depot like I stole a screwdriver, and I jump in my brother's car and I'm like, get us out of here. So we speed away, and I leave this rental truck that's been the bane of my existence in the parking lot of Home Depot in Elmhurst, Illinois. This is a, a, a suburb of Chicago, Illinois, if you're taking notes. That's an important one. I fly out here. That's the end of that part of the journey. So I fly out and I get here, and I'm, I'm here for about six, eight weeks, and I love it. I'm definitely here forever. Um, he's right. There's so many unicorns and butterflies on the coast. It's crazy, and I'm happy, and I'm in my element. And I'm going to be here forever. So I love it. So one morning I'm sitting on my porch having coffee. And I have an eight-foot wooden fence. So I can't really see what's going on out in the street. But, you know, I'm thinking and I'm pondering. And, I'm, yeah, this is where I want to be. I'm going to stay here forever. I just need to get my stuff from Chicago to here, from Elmhurst to here. And as I'm having that thought, I my hand to God. I look up, and above my eight-foot fence, very slowly along my street, is this bright yellow truck with a white stripe and a blue stripe that's scraped like a can opener stripe down the middle of the blue stripe. I left that truck in a parking lot in Elmhurst, Illinois, eight weeks before that. And now I'm watching it drive down my street in Moss Beach, California. Now, everyone in this room has used the expression, it blew my mind. Fuck you. You don't know what that means. Because I felt my mind shifting around in my head. So, and even thinking about it now, I get worked up. Like, what the odds? I mean, can you even calculate the odds of something like that happening? As I'm thinking, but I need to get my stuff here. So I'm, I'm totally open to theories because I do believe that there's signs and the universe is doing that. Like I, you know, I'm, I'm the hippie. And, but so I run out, it's outside, and I run across the street. And I'm sure the neighbors thought I'd lost my mind. And I'm like, oh, I rented this truck. And I'm like trying to explain the story to them. And the husband's like, yeah, I noticed it had um, Indiana plates. Like, you guys are not appreciating the gravity of the situation and the depth of the, the, what's going on here. But fine, but, you know, it affected me. So some theories I've come up with are, you know, just reality is not what we think. And, and things that you think could never happen 
astronomical odds of something that would never, ever happen. My God, they can, and they do every day, and it did to me. And, and I still, you know, a couple months later, six months later, am affected by even remembering this story, and it was amazing. But I will tell you that the biggest regret that I have of the whole thing, when I look back, why didn't I leave my shit in it and let them bring it to me? So anything can happen. Yeah. Thank you, Debbie Mongan. That was so great. What a freaking story. I don't know why you were nervous to come up here. That is amazing. Holy crap. I guess maybe, maybe even an old... Oh, AC's coming up here. Guys, this is my dog, AC. She came on tour with me. Um, all right, I guess she's part of the show now. That's appropriate. So I've been challenging myself to, uh, to tell stories every night of the tour. So I'm going to tell you guys a story next. Then I'm going to play a song and I'm going to take a short break. And uh, San Francisco is like a, it's a, like an appy city. It's like startups and tech and stuff, right? So I'm going to talk about uh, dating apps. I'm going to talk about Tinder in particular. And this is, it's so funny. Last night, my buddy Eric and I were joking about Oh, you know, all young comedians ever talk about it, like, oh, it sucks being single, internet dating, and here I am. But I swear this is like a little bit different of a story than normal. I think uh, this is a, a G-rated Tinder story. Um, so in Thursday, I was in Las Vegas, and I, I had a night off. And what I did with my night off was I, I had a Tinder date in Las Vegas. And that was pretty... Pretty weird, and that it, again, it sounds like very illicit. Like when you say, "Oh, I met someone on Tinder in Las Vegas," like you, that implies things, and I assure you, none of the things you're thinking happened. Happened. <laughs> what happened was the last time I was in Las Vegas, which was last September, I was there with some friends, and I was swiping as you do, you know. And there was a woman on there who had some mutual friends with me uh, that I know in Chicago, and in fact, serendipity, one of them is Shelby's boyfriend. Christopher Crotwell. So I was like, oh, this is interesting. How does she know these guys I know in Chicago? So we both swiped right. Actually, I'm going to tell you the truth. This is a podcast about being disastrously earnest. So I'm going to tell you guys the truth. I super liked her. You're not supposed to do that. That's like, show, it shows you're needy. I super like people if I think I have something cool to say to them. So I super liked her. She liked me back. And then we started talking about how does she know Chris Crotwell and my other friend, and it turned out she went to college with them in the University of Alabama, which is a great reason to know somebody. Um, but we chatted for a while, and we were like, oh, you know, we should hang out, but it's uh, it was already like midnight, and she's like, oh, I'm going to go to bed. Again, this is not like the typical Tinder story. She just went to bed after we talked at midnight. Um, but we kept each other's numbers, and we kind of stayed in touch. So when I was um, booking this tour, I texted her to say like, hey, do you can you recommend any venues in Las Vegas? Well, she couldn't. It turns out like Las Vegas doesn't have a burgeoning comedy scene that isn't Carrot Top. Yeah, so uh, I did not do a show in Las Vegas. But then I was like, you know, I, if I have a night off, do you want to like finally hang out like nine months later? Uh, and I'm like, P.S. I'm bringing my dog. And I think that's what sealed the deal. Because she was like, yes, definitely. So we went and got uh, burgers at like the only place in Fremont Street with a patio where the dog could sit. And then she gave me a tour of downtown Vegas. And then she came back to my hotel room, and remember I told you this is a G-rated story. We each had a hard apple cider because she doesn't drink beer, and then she went home. And that was my Las Vegas Tinder date, which is like the nerdiest Las Vegas Tinder date. But, all right, so if we're being real, I don't really prefer to use Tinder for friends. Like, I feel like I have a reasonable amount of friends. I'm not really on dating apps to, like, make friends. 
But some of my best and most interesting friendships have come specifically out of dating apps and with no intention whatsoever. Like last December, I, I met a girl on Tinder and we went out on two dates. It didn't work. And then we stayed like really good friends and she's one of the most interesting cool people I know. And then there's this girl, Heather, in Las Vegas that we're now we're, we're buddies. We're trip buddies. And we're going to keep in touch if we're ever in each other's towns. And, and that's a really weird thing to use Tinder for. I don't know. And I like it. Casual sex, what's that? No, like travel friends and just like good hangout friends. I don't know. I think that seems atypical. And I think what I've learned is to adjust expectations or, or just not have them. Like that's just a good life lesson, right? Like don't have expectations. So like this tour that I'm on, I planned it three weeks ago. And uh, it's very DIY. As you can see, like we're in a rock and roll bar, but it's sweet because I told every person who booked me, like, all I need is a living room. And this is not a living room, but, you know, it's not the typical storytelling venue. And I think that just kind of being open to whatever comes your way has been very, very helpful for me. And it's led to really interesting uh, side effects, like having a G-rated Tinder date in Las Vegas on a road trip that ended in my hotel room with hard apple cider. Like, that's weird. That's cool. I don't know. That's a story I'm going to remember for a long time. And so if, if, if the makers of Tinder are out there somewhere, that they're probably someone that is around in San Francisco who works on Tinder. Thank you for improving my friendships and for not really improving my sex life. Uh, I, I guess that's what like real life is for. I don't know. Whatever. I don't know what that is, but I sure know a lot about digital life. So yeah, that's my story about my weird G-rated Tinder date. Yeah. All right, I'm going to play one more song. AC is just so content up here. And then we're going to take a short break. So when I played Clapton, I mentioned that that was the man who made me want to play guitar. This is the man who made me love music. I was a really cool kid, you guys. This is by Elton John. I think it fits the, um, the theme of Gateway pretty well. All right, this is called Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. I've also been like learning these songs on the fly. I used to be a potbelly troubadour, though. That's what I called myself, like the guys who play guitar at potbelly. So, like, I'm I'm on this game. I was always upstage for roast beef sandwiches, though. All right. Thank you. 
This has been a Nerdalogs production. If you'd like to help make more things like this, please visit patreon.com slash to donate today. And go to www.nerdalogs.com for more cool stuff. Thanks for being awesome. Thank you all. Thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.